Hello and welcome to Meet Our Makers, an artist interview podcast produced in association with Beats Per Minute. I'm your host, Jeremy J. Fissett. On this episode, we get to meet Khaki King. Khaki is best known as a guitarist, although her skills and her repertoire go far deeper than that label may sound to you. For years now, Khaki has honed a distinct style, mixing adept finger-picking, strumming, and her signature trademark, tapping. It is through this mix of styles, as well as a very clever compositional ear, that has set Khaki apart from some of her contemporaries and given her a voice all her own. In this chat, we talk a lot about her style and the establishment of it, as well as her brand new album, Modern Yesterdays. We also talk a bit about how her live performances this past decade have begun sort of feeding into her studio album career, and what life has been like for her this year during the coronavirus pandemic. So thank you for listening, and please enjoy. This is me meeting Khaki King. It's a juggling just, act. Yeah, I'm, you know, I'm not doing it very well. Um, and I'm failing miserably on all levels. But, you know, it's 2020 and, um, I, yeah, the fact that I'm even a comp- intelligible right now is a miracle. <laughs> so I do apologize for all the delays, but here we are. No, that's fine. I'm very, uh, I'm very happy to be here. I'm very um, happy to have you. Thank you so much for uh, spending a, a few minutes with me. So let me know if I need to move about the house in okay. search of Wi-Fi. <laughs> I know it's also like stormy tonight, so I hope that doesn't impact anyone. Yeah, <laughs> you're in a you're in you're in New York, right? I am, yeah, and it's really brutal. Yeah, um, yeah. Weather wise, or you mean like COVID wise? I mean, like <laughs> everything. <laughs> emotionally, it's been a brutal day. Mm. Um, no, it's all it's fine. Whatever, bring it on. Bring on the hurricane. <laughs> Remember when hurricanes used to be like a big deal and now they just come through and we're like, eh. Yeah, I know. And we get eh. so many now. Yeah. Yeah, I'm 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 based in Connecticut, so I'm having the same exact weather you are right now. Yeah, no, it's like southern Louisiana. I mean, why even who who even cares anymore? I know my my mother moved out there a few years ago, and it seems like since she moved out, there's been like five hurricanes a year. Yeah. Just so many. Yeah. But she's been okay somehow. So that's, that's good. good. Um, I were, it's like, I never really paid that much attention to it, but now I do. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so all that aside, how, how are you doing? How have you, how have you been these days? Um, you know, I am, I am no better or worse than, than anyone. Um, I'm, I'm, I would give myself a solid C (laughs) minus. I don't know. It's so funny. It's not, it's, um, you know, it's Thursday. Mm. before the the election and and it's very tricky to i'm not going to come off and be like it's fine it's all good i mean it's very it's a very 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 fearful time mm-hmm. um i am uh trying to focus on my on my my kids um and you know and and that's a mess too because they're fucking annoying as shit <laughs> <laughs> 
they're six and three and they're hilarious but oh my god are they are like, they like home home like for, like they're not in school right they're, now they're in school okay some sometimes right so i almost always have one of them it's fine i mean i, I really again <laughs> it's just confusing because i'm like when do i have one of them when yeah. can i do a thing i mean i don't have be, you know honestly it was almost easier when they were both here because i just knew that they were here and i was here and right. now it's like i gotta drop that one off pick that one up pick that one up and take that one to the other thing <laughs> because they no longer pick up from school the way they used to i mean right. it, it's it, you know and then there's like just home or whatever anyway um <laughs> you know it's a lot to juggle so but i am happy that they're getting to see their friends i'm happy mm -hmm. that they're in school etc yeah i'm a i'm a high school teacher so i've been Oh my in god! In the thick of this this whole time. <laughs> wow, are you in class or are you? We are now. We were we were doing the the both like the hybrid thing for a while. Yeah. But, but now we're fully back. So. Oh god, I can't wait to be fully back. I need fully back. <laughs> <laughs> so many parents. It's so divisive. Either they want all the time or they want fully remote. So many parents. It's like either it's, way. It's a bit. Yeah, you know, it's funny how I think that there's also like, it it it's really like if you are if you if you are fully if you want to be fully remote then you want those resources mm -hmm. and then everyone else is like well if i'm going to send them in one day or two days i would send them the whole time i mean it really yeah. is it's it's night and day but i think it's a fight over it's a fight over resources and time and mainly teachers you know teacher mm -hmm. resources um and yeah but it's certainly like there's been some major issues just in her, you know, tiny little elementary school. Mm -hmm. So I can understand why um, I can understand the difficulty with that. And when does it end? You know, when, when, yeah. at what point do you say, got to go to school? Yes, there's, I mean, coronavirus will be around. Yeah. But, um, oh my God. Yeah, it's tricky. Yeah. And also what, even when what you, what grades do you teach? I teach freshmen and sophomores right now. Okay. Oh, little messes! Oh my God, bless their hearts. <laughs> how are how are your how are your students faring? They're what, okay, what you, you know. They're they're surprisingly okay enough. I mean, I I don't I didn't know these kids last year, so I don't mm -hmm. you know I don't know if they're um markedly different this year because of everything, but they seem alright. I mean, they're 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 coping, and I think most of them are happy that they get to spend the day with people they know as opposed to being holed up in their bedroom all day. Yeah, because like in the yeah. spring when it first mm. hit, we went fully remote from March to June. Yeah. So now it's like they get. To yeah, that was brutal. <laughs> yeah, um, it was really a strange time for us too. And now, in some senses, it's nice to be back with them. You know, it helps get to know them a little bit. But there's still sort of a a weirdness because of the masks and because of kind of not. You know, some people are at home, some people are in front of me, so it's kind of like a little bit strange sometimes but yeah the kids are okay they're, they're i think they're doing all right i don't know i can't okay. speak for everywhere but at least at our school they seem to be doing okay oh right on well that's yeah, good to hear i know so i suppose we should <laughs> talk about <laughs> some music stuff um yeah, yeah who needs it um <laughs> though the reason that you have as you mentioned and i mentioned you've been doing pr is that you just put out a record um, yeah modern yesterdays came out almost a week ago um yeah. as a, as of this recording on cantaloupe records um it's your first studio album in a little while yes. um your last one was sort of it was a studio album the neck is a bridge to the body but it was yeah, kind it, of it, like mm -hmm. a live thing 
sort of well you know it's interesting it def- you know because both records are they mirror each other in this way yeah mm-hmm. the neck is bridge to the body was a um soundtrack to a live show right it was like a multimedia a, performance yeah yeah a multimedia performance but very song oriented mm-hmm. um and you know not just sort of listening to you know ambient noise tableaus um but you know very song to song um driven and um yeah so that was the last studio album um and then i had two children oh and since 2015 <laughs> uh, or since the making was, of that record anyway since the making of the record yeah i did not my daughter was god she no she was not a I don't have to think about that. She may have been born <laughs> roughly around that time. <laughs> super small. She didn't make nearly as much noise as she does now. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, yeah, no. Anyway, so yeah, I think that 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 explains the gap. Mm. Um, but I did a lot of touring, and okay. you know, so that I made up for the. Uh, well, anyway, yes, it, it's weird because I used to make a record every every two years, and um, and my pace slowed. But we'll see. We'll um, hopefully. Now that they're both wiping their own asses, maybe I'll uh, <laughs> jump back in. Freeze you up a bit. <laughs> <laughs> so this album, though, Modern Yesterdays, is, to my knowledge, seemingly the most sort of like one-to-one collaborative album that you've done. Because um, who did who was it you worked with? Uh, the, the, so- the sound engineer that yeah. you worked with. So my sound designer, uh, designer. Chloe Thompson... So she, this, this was all very serendipitous. She was the sound designer for a new show that I made called Data Not Found. And much, and really Modern Yesterdays, again, is the com- companion piece mm. to Data Not Found. Um, and she was, you know, so she was already, she was, she called herself a, a human pedal board. Mm. And, you know, basically doing all of this live processing as I'm playing, um, making some really really amazing sounds that i wouldn't be able to do just on my own from switching from patch to patch in one way or another so uh she moved right down the street from me and with her boyfriend arjan miranda and they moved into a studio and um they were like this is what we're doing we're gonna live here and make records and i was like great let's let's make a record um, and we did, and it was uh, that. That's how Modern Yesterdays came about. So a lot of the sounds that you hear are, um, you know, they were kind of predetermined by the fact that Chloe and I were already working together, and like half the, you know, we already knew half the music um, and a lot of the sounds that we wanted to hear in in terms of processing. Oh, okay. So was it? So was it largely composed, or was some of it even improvisational? Um, like four songs were I guess four or five songs were written during the process mm. or fully real I should say fully realized and the and the rest though were very much like mapped out and we knew what we were doing mm-hmm. um in in it well in advance which is kind of typical for me I would say yeah I was gonna ask because you you've been um you know, you've been making albums for a while of of largely instrumental music, but a lot of mm-hmm. instrumentalists um, will make albums fully improvisationally. And I was wondering if you've ever really done that, or if you were more of a kind of careful composer. I well, I'm, I'm I think that I like to come to a studio with some like a solid half that is mm-hmm. really 
because the thing about the way I play is that if it's not well rehearsed and really, really well thought out, it's, 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 it's kind of difficult um, mm. to, it might be one thing to write, but it's really difficult to polish in a small time frame. So I like to have the stuff that's this challenging. It needs really, you know, strong performances. I like to have that kind of uh, well done. And so it's kind of just a matter of getting a good take and then, you know, figuring out how we mix it. The other songs, I'm really open to just figuring out what the studio has to offer and and being in that environment um, and being able to tweak things ever so slightly. It's the studio has always been really inspirational. So, and I think as I've, grown I've made a little bit more room for that like I feel less like I, I would feel no problem walking into a studio with with half an album mm-hmm. whereas when I was younger I was like I need the whole album because you know god forbid I looks look silly <laughs> and now I've now I'm much more comfortable with looking silly yeah <laughs> well also when you're just starting out I can imagine that your means and your studio time are probably much more limited you know, so you don't have maybe, ah, well, listen, or maybe that's not I mean, true. You're but... <laughs> talking to someone who's been do- making records since the early 2000s. Yeah. And, you know, I was on a major label once. I, I, I that's would say, true. I, honestly, I was, yeah, I was going to mention a lot of your albums were put out by the fact That, well, that was a Sony record. I mean, I think that, you know, like a lot of, it depends on, <laughs> it really depends. <laughs> on on what you mean by that because i would say that the record industry as a whole and the recording industry and people who make albums as a whole have gotten a lot smarter at making songs on their you know outside of the studio yeah that's true because the thing is records don't make the kind of money they used to but studios kind of cost the same mm-hmm. and um so it's hard to sort of be like i want to be in this studio for i want to book it out fully for two months and live there and i mean i like that that's really unheard of that's so expensive yeah and back in the day when a label had money for that or someone you could finance you knew you'd make their the money back that would have happened i think i spent six weeks no that's not true i spent yeah i think i spent a total of six weeks recording and mixing my second album Mm. and you know, in really, really high-end facilities. And that would just, I just wouldn't do that today. Yeah. So really the, the landscape has changed. Yes. Yeah, definitely. Um, so what were some of these sort of driving uh, motives or, or, or ideas that you were kind of toying with on this new record? Well, you know, I was, want, you know, I wanted to capture these songs that were in Data Not Found. And that was the, the the impetus was to again create this recording that would be you know go hand in hand with um, a live show. So you know, and I think I think probably five out of the total songs in on Modern Yesterdays are in Data Not Found. Maybe no six, I think. I'd have to look. So about half, and then. Um, and then the rest was like, okay, we'll just, you know, figure, we'll figure something out. So Chloe, again, Chloe was this amazing discovery mm. um, because you know, what, what she does is so unique. And um, I've never applied effects like that in that way to an acoustic guitar. 
so that was also new for me, but I really kind of put myself in, and not just, I mean, Chloe's really genius and Arjun is really great too, really um, amazing engineer and mixer. So the two of them together, they were such a team. I kind of put it in their hands and that was maybe my main objective was to get them quality songs that they could then take into their world and you know and alter and, and mix in a way that was completely new mm. as far as solo guitar recordings are concerned i think that, that was really it i was just really really excited to to offload these tunes to to them as opposed to have you know kind of um to lord over the proceedings <laughs> and, and dictate what was happening because it was i think what what we we had come up with on stage and what we were happy we were doing live was I knew it was going to translate well into an, an album. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And also um, the neck is a bridge to the body and modern yesterday, as you said, they are, they kind of like go together in a sense and they are so very. Data not, so wait, no, let's, let's. <laughs> okay. So the neck is a bridge to the body is this name of the show and right. of an album. Right. Data Not Found was a new show that I created, finished in November of 2019. Okay. And that was was going to be my 2020 and and far beyond. It was a big theater show. Oh, okay. And um, so Modern Yesterdays is a line of text that I actually say out loud in Data Not Found. Mm. So Modern Yesterdays is the companion piece to Data Not Found. Okay, got it. I mean, they're all they all stand alone. I'm not making junk, <laughs> but but again, it, it they are it, you know they do move in tandem. Right. I was just gonna say that the um, Modern Yesterdays and The Neck Is a Bridge to the Body do have a very textural sound play kind of um vibe that a lot of your solo work has sort of hadn't really done up to that point so i i yeah. I, 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 I wasn't um too surprised to hear you say that um a lot of it was sort of like you said sort of not lording over and, and kind of letting other people work their oh yeah magic because totally. <laughs> i was oh, wondering totally. i was wondering what these um what this new project especially how it, how it pushed you as an artist do you think the album specifically yeah, or, or, the, or the, the show, show combined with it, or just like how have, how has this experience sort of pushed you as an artist? Well, the show the show is the big push because I'm the the neck is a bridge to the body was such a success in such a strange, unexpected sense because it started to go from clubs and bars into theaters where I could really tweak everything and get it perfect and um not mean perfect but. You know, I get mm -hmm. the, the details all popped out so much better. And it was, you know, very apparent that another theater piece would be in the works. Um, and I wanted to explore more guitar technology, which I did. And I wanted to push myself into different spaces. And what ended up happening is I, for the first time, have a script. Mm. And I have lines. Um, and they're all based on stories that... Um, like happened to me they're personal but they were you know I wrote a story it was then sent to his playwright named Ann Washburn and she sort of you know ripped it apart and put it back together and in this really special you know way which my uh, director Annie Dorson and I then kind of uh, you know combed through and trimmed some of the fat and so it was almost like putting a it was like putting a paragraph through, through several different translators mm. um yet but the, in the same language it was it was really cool 
So that is difficult for me to hold a guitar and play it well is that I've, I know how to do that. But to stand and to deliver a line that makes you feel something is terrifying to me. <laughs> it's not what I do. It's never been what I do. It's, it's, it's still very uncomfortable. It's completely out of my wheelhouse you know, standing on stage and talking to an audience is fine. Is that, again, that's simple as well. But again, delivering, not even trying to sell it, but just, just, just to get it right, just to get it honest mm -hmm. is, uh, is hard. Um, I'm also playing drums in the show. I'm also, you know, running around the stage, like basically to and fro <laughs> from each, from piece to piece. Um, the sad thing is that it never, I mean, like, so I, I would say that that pushed me artistically beyond anything I've ever done. And I haven't yet gotten the, the full exploration of it because that would have been what would have happened on tour. Yeah. So, you know, we'll see. Are you at least tentatively planning to, to set that back up again? If we ever get back to some sort I of normal. Mean, yeah. Like I've got, I've listened, I am for hire, whatever you want, <laughs> I'll bring it. If you want a projection mapped guitar, got it. If you want to ukulele i'm there i don't care right. like i'm i'm for hire and i have antibodies i had covid <laughs> sign me up oh wow i don't know i i am um cautiously well i'm not optimistic about anything right now but i am um i'm ready to go yeah you you, you miss performing don't you i do i miss yeah. performing and you know what it's been at, people have been asking that a lot and you know performance is the best part and the people are the second best part mm-hmm you know, just hanging out with people after the show and talking to them and I don't know, like getting the vibe of a place. Yeah. And even if you did do a performance right now, it would be like probably an outdoor, it would be very vibeless. spaced out. It, yeah. You wouldn't get to hang out or meet anybody. It'd be very different. Yeah. I mean, I could, I, I have my ways. I would, <laughs> I, would like, <laughs> I know how to, I know how to bump butts with people, let's say, mm. but I, yeah i mean like not having that visceral feeling of an audience reacting to what you're doing is it is challenging when you're it would almost be the same as performing to your phone and there's really nothing worse than that yeah so you're not someone who's probably bound to do like an instagram live show you know I, i've done some interviews and stuff i it's occasionally i'll just turn it on mm -hmm. and just play because it forces me to play that's true but it's yeah, I mean, like at the end of the day, I'm still alone in the room, mm -hmm. and and I mean, that like on one hand, I'm thinking, well, that should be enough. That's always been enough. When I was a kid, that was enough. That still feels like enough, but I think without any, I don't know, without something in sight, like without some kind of end game where like I've played this, I've perfected this song, I've written this song for you. I'm not sure if I could continue to do this in a complete vacuum, to be honest. Yeah. Well, it's, I mean, it's extremely different. It's an extremely different experience to be performing to however many people that you can't see versus 500 people in a room. I mean, it, it's totally different. Yeah. It doesn't really matter how many there are. It's the same, yeah. <laughs> same vibe. Yeah. Um, so you have been known obviously as a guitarist for basically your whole career. I know you also play drums and percussion, Mm -hmm. Um, but your first album, Everybody Loves You, came out in 03, and uh you've pretty much been known as a guitarist since then. So I'm just I'm curious, what still excites you about that instrument? Man, it is so infinitely interesting. It really is. I think that I think I I I, I don't know. It it grabbed me. 
that's all I can say. Um, there is, there's so much that one can do. You can, you can spend your whole life in a very narrow genre of guitar and still not master that, Mm -hmm. which I find fascinating. Like what if I switched today to jazz guitar, I would, it would take me the rest of my life to even get to where the greats are, you know, in their early twenties, just because of who I am. Um, you know, I, uh, yeah, I, this, I, I just think it's so cool how versatile it is and how much you can do with people, how much you can do on your own, how much you can, how it's portable, it's cheap. It's, you know, it's not, <laughs> it's not complicated. It doesn't, it doesn't necessarily need electricity. It's, you know, it, it's, um, it's a great instrument. Mm. Um, and it goes, it just, it, it travels well. So I feel like for me, it's just, it's kind of something that's, a, it, it's always there and it's always ready. When did and, you, when did you start sort of playing the way you play? Cause you don't play re- really traditionally and you kind of never yeah, had a long I, record anyway. I, um, started, so, you know, interest, it's, it was when I was, um, you know, I'd started playing guitar when I was really young and I had a more of a classical background, but I was like five years old. And then my father, you know, I quit taking lessons. I don't know, around the same, you know, it didn't, I wasn't, I didn't go for years and years playing guitar with a teacher, but my dad was playing blues guitar and he would like come home and he'd have first, you know, there'd always be this little guitar around the house for me to play. Like he just, he didn't force it on me. He just kept a guitar that was my guitar. Mm-hmm. And then um, he'd play a blues lick and he'd teach me. And then I would be like, oh, that's cool. And then I would like learn the pentatonic scale. And that was, you know, ages eight to 10. And then I learned a power chord and that was ages 10 to 13. You know, I just, I didn't have a lot, but what I had was enough. Mm-hmm. So I realized at some point I wanted to get better at guitar. I already knew the basics. So the paths were classical, jazz, and metal. And those were places where you could have like a technical, you know, a, a, a path to sort of this technical wizardry. And I just didn't really, none of those appealed to me, but I'd always known about this other genre of finger style guitar and detuning and, and finger picking, but, but also composition. That was really important to me. Um, I loved writing music. I love writing songs, but I wanted to you know, like if you go in, if like jazz is really about improvisation, right? It's not necessarily as much composition focused. So I kind of fell into this style because I, I liked writing and I liked writing in that style. Um, that's kind of the rest is history. So it just kind of developed out of a natural sort of curiosity of sort of exploring the instrument. Yeah. And again, like, oh, wow, I can tune it differently. Oh, man, that, you know, that'll <laughs> open up your your life for a decade if you're not careful um and then oh i can okay finger picking oh wait but there's finger picking and then there's also tapping okay so uh, and i think there are just some things that just felt i felt like it was picking me Mm. yeah and i feel like you your work started anyway at least on record um very very acoustic based and um that what I think you're, I mean, I was, I was relatively young um, when you, when you started releasing records, but I think your work was the first time I had sort of seen that done on acoustic guitar. Mm-hmm. Um, were there other people who inspired that on acoustic? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. So um, my, so there's a, 
first of all, there's a couple of people, um, John Fahey mm. and a lot of those like English folk singers in the seventies, Nick Drake and, um, what's his name and John Martin and, um, the guy that fronted, uh, Oh my God, my brain, whatever. <laughs> anyway, they all were like really talented fingers, finger pickers. And they would, they, they would sing and play in these different tunings, which I thought was rad. Um, and so then, but there was this <laughs> kind of, it's interesting. There was a, um, famous record label called Wyndham Hill and they were super big in the eighties in the new age world. I don't even really understand what new age means other than like it was some kind of marketing tool. And, um, so, and there was some corny music put out, but there was a lot of really, really amazing guitar music put out on that label. And my dad was into it. And so by the time I got into some of these records and artists like Alex Degrassi and Michael Hedges and Preston Reed, I would put on a CD and I realized I knew the neck, I knew these songs because I grew up with them because my dad was always playing music in the house. Mm -hmm. um, so it was like a whole weird osmosis thing. Um, so I was just copying them. I mean, I, I don't, you know, I, I eventually, I think, made a very original voice for myself. Um, but early on, I was like, oh, wait, what did that guy just do? I want to do that. Did they do the and, tapping thing? Uh, yeah, some of them did, for oh, sure. Okay. Um, so, and but they were, they were writers. That was the thing. I mean, their compositions, mm -hmm. they weren't, they weren't interpreted, which a lot of people are really talented at, like really great interpretate guitar interpretations of, so of songs, but they were writers. And I just, I was really enthralled by that idea. And so I grew up that, you know, that's, yes. Yeah. So when you're talking about the, the beginning of my career, I mean, you have to remember, I wasn't really trying to have a career. There was mm -hmm. no career in, in, in the, in the early 2000s. There's no very, very few people working as a career in solo guitar music who hadn't already been doing it for many, for many decades. Yeah. And now there's dozens and they're, you know, people younger than me that are doing really well. Yeah. And that's really, really, really exciting. I mean, I think it, I think it comes and goes, right? Yeah. I mean, all those kinds of things come in waves. I, I do mm -hmm. remember probably the way I found out about you and a lot of people found out about you in the mid two thousands was the playing with pink noise video was actually like, in, it was in rotation on, <laughs> you know, VH1 or MTV or whatever the hell I was watching. Like, I saw it like back when they, you know, played videos. And, That's so wild. Yeah, and you were on like late night shows and like I was on late night shows. That yeah. that really helped. And I was on NPR. I think I, I was like, I was too young to listen to NPR at that point. Oh man, it's so funny. <laughs> yeah, I got NPR and Conan O'Brien. Like I I distinctly was, remember watching you play magazine on one of the shows. That was on Letterman. And I, I think that was well, the first one I had seen of yours, and I was just like I was like, what is, what am I seeing? Because I had never seen anyone do that before. Yeah. Not, well, I, I know people had, but like at my age, I, I, I did not oh, know yeah, that was a yeah. thing. Well, listen, half, half of the, the places I've been, when I play a show and it's not directly to like my audience, like if I do a festival or something, I mean, literally people are like, oh my God, I've never seen anyone play guitar like that. And I'm like, <laughs> it's just a small pool. Yeah. Um, but we're, there, you know, there's plenty of talent out there. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you know, it's funny you brought up TV. I think that in back then, I mean, it's so different now, but back then that was so legitimizing. Mm -hmm. I really had no idea. How, like when you, when I said I 
you know, played on Conan O'Brien and then the next year played on David Letterman, it was like, welcome, like the door is open. (laughs) And, um, and I'm very fortunate that, because those, I mean, again, it was so unlikely mm-hmm. that anyone would be like, this person is just doing this crazy thing on the guitar. And without, again, kind of without context. Yeah. Like, oh, like that guy or that other person or like, oh, she's, she's doing that thing. There wasn't a lot of that going on, even though those references existed. They, right. you know, they hadn't been in the mainstream for a couple decades. So, well, and yeah, also like was, I saw your video, you know, come on after like, I don't know, like what, like an Evanescence video or something like, you know, like it, like it was like, not like you say without context, it, it truly, truly was like no one, especially on popular music channels, like no one was doing that at that specific time on those airwaves. Yeah. So I think seeing you on a, a late night show or catching you on like the MTV block, like that was, it was, it wasn't like other things. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. But, but I, but you know, that's, why I ask you like who your inspirations were because I still feel ignorant to that, you know? Well, and that's, you know, a, it, it, that's interesting. Um, because I think I was just, I was having this conversation with a, a, a young guitar playing friend. Um, and, uh, it was not, it was not as if I was welcomed into the world that, that was happening into the world of, you know, solo finger saw guitar players, some of them who are very well known. It wasn't like that didn't happen. Mm-hmm. And that's unfortunate um, because it made me. And again, I wasn't plan. I wasn't like seeking or planning to have a career. It wasn't that was not the plan. But I can see now how there's much more of a community and much more. There's a lot more support and love. And just, you know, good, good vibes going around. When I was young, it was like, it was so weirdly territorial and masculine. And I hate to say that, I, but no, true. I was going to say, I'm sure sexism yeah. has a role in it that. It was, it was, it, that was really present. And so, you know, I, um, so I think that what happened is I sort of went, well, that, that world just doesn't, I mean, look, I had a lot of support in the guitar press. Um, and everyone was really like, wow, this is amazing and and great. But there was also like things where I could very clearly tell they'd not even listen to the album. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, like just, there's just some fun, just, you know, some weird fun, uh, like female tokenism. Right. But that said, it just made me go, okay, well, that's fine. I'm not worried about that. That's not like, that's not where, where the warmth is. And I think that it made me less afraid to sort of do the experiments that I have done throughout the years as in leave the acoustic guitar and do other crazy stuff or sing mm-hmm. or play drums or not, you know, do looping with a lap steel. It, it made me, there's a very kind of specific, there, like there's some unwritten rules to this, to the solo guitar world. And the fact that I wasn't um, in any way really a part of it made it, made me feel like, okay, well, let me see what else I can do. Well, yeah, and you can see that over the course of your discography because Everybody Loves You is so stripped back and so just you and the guitar. But then even as quickly as your second album, you know, there's electric guitar, there's more drums, there's synths, there's your singing and you and you started singing more over the next few albums. Like, yeah, so, yeah, so you can kind of see that. You can see that sort of broadening happening. Mm-hmm. Um, 
my last question, which is probably bound to embarrass you. <laughs> um, I entirely doubt it, but, but you go ahead and try. No, I'm just joking. Um, but if you, if someone doesn't know who you are and they Google you, um, beyond your music, what is often said about you is that you are a virtuoso of your instrument. Um, is that a term that you would accept or are comfortable with, or is it something that you feel uncomfortable about? I don't know. I, I, I don't feel, um, I feel that I don't know what that means. I'm wondering if it has more meaning in a certain terminal, like in, in a certain world, like, mm-hmm. is there a difference between a violinist and a virtuoso violinist? Like, is there some, you know, level, like level up that I have to, <laughs> like boss that I have to beat or something that I, yeah. maybe I just got lucky. So no, I don't, um, I don't pay it much heed, but it does, unfortunately to me no I'll say this I'm grateful for any compliment and mm-hmm. and truly I think that the virtuoso virtuoso and all of the attention put on the technique takes away from attention that should be going to what like I've been saying like composition and writing mm-hmm. and you know no one says I have got people have come up to me and have said the most astounding things about what their what my music has has done to them and this is not something i've intended it's just it happened like you know i got through rehab i got through grad school i got through my divorce i gave birth my father died uh mm-hmm. the, the you know i i'm an orthopedic surgeon and this is a song i always put on when i'm literally doing surgery <laughs> <laughs> you know and I, and it and re, you know repeat 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 it's almost every single show that, that someone has this like big story of like what how it helped them and um so that and no one has ever said like the fact that you play really fast got got me over my ex (laughs) (laughs) the fact that your fingers are really nimble and can do you know special things you know makes me feel closer to god like no one has ever said that right so the the reaction i get from from fans and from the, the people who like are really listening is always you know what you wrote helped me and that is the only thing I want to achieve it's the I don't care it's not about how fast or how interesting or what kind of doodads you use it's like how how do you touch people how do they respond to that and what do they do with it and are you am I helping so I guess that you know I'm not embarrassed and I'm again I, I appreciate the compliment but I do I've had to fight my whole life to be recognized as someone that's kind of a little bit emo <laughs> <laughs> And not interested in your feelings about how well I play because that's so subjective and silly. Right. Yeah, I would imagine it's much, much more important and rewarding to get those very personal responses. Sure. And it's much more rewarding to write something really great than to play something really fast. True. Yeah. Because I mean, like, you can play as fast as you want. But if you if, if what you're writing is it interesting to you or is not moving people, then I guess, you know, what's really the purpose? There? Yeah. There you go. Yeah. Um, well, thank you so much for talking to me tonight. Thank you for your patience. Um, I appreciate oh, no, your no worries. I was <laughs> I was very happy to wait. I was looking oh forward to talking God. to you. So awesome. Um, so your new album, Modern Yesterdays, is out now already. People can go buy it and listen to it. Um, it's really cool and it doesn't sound like like you kind of said, it doesn't really sound like what you might expect from a guitar record. Um, <laughs> so it's fun in that way too. 
good, good. Well, <laughs> thank you, and good luck with your class. Oh yes, thank you, and good luck. Yeah, and, and you everything. know what? Next week, just stay, <laughs> try to stay positive. I, yeah, I, I, am... I was, I was just interviewing someone Anna Brun, um, from Norway. And mm-hmm. yesterday or two days ago, and she ended the chat by saying good luck next week. And I just kind of chuckled and said, thank you. And it took me until I signed off to realize what she was saying. And I was like, oh, yeah, oh, there's yeah. like there's like a really big thing happening next week. Yeah. It's really, really <laughs> fucking scary. But well, you know, I've traveled a lot and and this here's the crazy thing. This is really, really, really important. But the whole rest of the damn world has always been obsessed with America, good mm-hmm. or bad. Mm-hmm. And this has just sent the whole fucking thing over the edge. Oh, yeah. Like every the only things that my European friends, my South African friends, my Australian friends, the only thing they can talk about is Trump. The yeah. only fucking thing. Yeah. And, you know, and that in, in unfortunately is the man's genius is he all of the time. He sucks out every molecule of oxygen in the room <laughs> and keeps the focus on his fucking face, yeah. good or bad. And it's really it's I don't know. It's artful. Yeah, no, it, it oh. that, that is one way to put it, and it's definitely accurate. It's yeah. really bizarre, and I'm a little terrified, but I'm I hoping, know I'm I hoping know. against hope, I guess, is all we can do. It feels so pessimistic, but I mean, it's so it's hard. Really, it's really, it's you so know hard we not so to be right burned. now. <laughs> we, were, we, were, we were burned so badly that there is just, there's no, there's no way to, to feel anything. There's no way to look at a poll or to be cheerful. It is yeah. like, it's kind of like yeah. we have this gaping wound and we have like this tiny chance of getting like one band-aid and I'm just like I know. hoping we get it and I don't even know if we will but we might hopefully I know. we do we'll see I know. but on that note I hope you stay well and I hope oh, that I you try to stay too. positive I you I you know what I'm gonna I'm gonna walk with a little more positivity I'm gonna okay. go and be I'm only gonna scream <laughs> under 10 times for her to brush her teeth right that's a that's a that's a good Tonight. that's a good uh, a good goal <laughs> set a record <laughs> That's a good goal. Yeah. It's going to be under 10. I'm going to find right there. Thank you. Have Have a good one. Have a good rest of your evening. Bye-bye.